0: Hey there, I'm Everett. Hi, I'm Baron, And welcome to bro, bro Have You Seen. Hey bro, welcome.
1: Uh, how's it going?
0: Great. <laughs> Doing awesome. so good.
1: Yeah. How's your week been? It's been a uh... We had a busy weekend, actually,
0: movie-watching-wise. Yeah, we yeah. did a marathon. Yeah, quite the marathon. <laughs> it was pretty good. Went up to our grandma's cabin and had a good binge marathon going Oh uh, yeah. all day Saturday and Friday. Yeah. And then some, a little bit on Sunday
1: morning. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, you got to show me a lot of stuff, actually, so... <laughs> yeah, one of good. my
0: favorite movies of all time, so yeah. <laughs> hopefully we'll get to that one. Uh, we'll definitely have an episode about it later, so maybe we shouldn't bring it up, but mm-hmm. if you want to just say how perfect of a film it is.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just confirm all of my So we watched um the classic Tarantino flick, Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. and I really liked it. Uh I loved it. I was I had really really high expectations because it's been so highly talked about for so many years for me uh in between hearing it from other people and from you for so long and just finally seeing it in its full form is Completely different than having seen Stills or Clips or it's just such a great movie. I really loved it, so
0: yeah, it's totally uh no matter how high of expectations you may have, like it's a classic it's yeah. it's just so good, and everyone who sees it can pretty much agree i mean it's one of those movies yeah. that it's almost universally praised so i mean exactly. there there are some moments that may not have aged super well, but uh those are very well covered territory, and uh most of the time can be overlooked uh, by fans of the film like me, so anyway that's cool i'm glad that we saw that I'm, yeah i've been anxious to introduce <laughs> you to it, but I knew it probably wasn't the first movie you should see as you progress into more adults cinema yeah uh, rated r stuff, so yeah,
1: it's taking me some time to get there, but I'm glad to visit that so yeah, yeah, other than that, we don't have too much else um to go over before we get going here with our conversation but uh just yep. a good weekend hope everyone out there is doing good we're excited to be here and
0: yeah talk about another film yeah where we live it seems to be kind of wrapping up with all this quarantine stuff hopefully it's mm-hmm. starting to uh, become less restrictive for people around the world but i know that the disease is still kind of uh you know running its way through places so it's probably best to stay on the safe side but where we live it's not as uh, impactful of a problem, so yeah. they're starting to open things back up slowly. But uh, looking forward to that and you know, kind of going back to life as usual, although this has been a really nice time for movies. Yeah, it's been great. Silver lining with <laughs> probably one of the worst epidemics or pandemics that we've had in a long time, but uh, movies have been good, so excited Couldn't to agree. talk about yeah. one
1: today. Couldn't agree more.
0: Yeah. Yeah, let's get right into it. All right. So, <clears throat> smack dab in the middle of Jacques Demi's romance trilogy is one of the most indelible romances of all time. It is one of the most indelible musicals of all time too, with Michel Legrand's sweeping musical score running from the first frame to the last. Every line of dialogue is sung, making for a straightforwardly sentimental pathos while remaining so true to life. It almost hurts to watch. The performances are so powerful that you want to look away but the beauty of not only the actors, but the sets, keeps your eyes magnetized. I brought this up last month during our 6 from the 60s episode, mentioning how swept up I became in this film. Bro, did you have a similar reaction, or did you somehow find the antidote to the infectious 1964 film that is The Umbrellas of Cherbourg? Nice.
1: Okay. Um, Let's see. Where to begin? Um. I would just have to say I'm not as high on this movie as you were. I know you really, you really loved it. Ouch! And might have become one of your favorites, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But I don't know. I just I got kind of bored of the singing every single line of dialogue about half an hour in. Hmm. It got kind of uh, exhausting, and I was like, okay, somebody just talk. But I like I knew the whole movie is going to be like that. Yeah. So for for a second there, I got a little bit, you know fatigued by that. And the, uh, maybe anyways, the, just the, that, that kind of trick almost wore off for me a little bit. And I just, I wasn't as swept away. I I wish I was. It just, Mm. It's not my favorite movie I've ever seen. I enjoyed it. I do think it's very beautiful and the colors, the, you know, performances, and I like how it's reinventing the wheel in a way of musicals. And although I might not have super enjoyed the singing every line of dialogue aspect, it's uh, undoubtedly unique among musicals and movies to do something like that. And I super respect it. And I haven't seen any other Demi films, but he shows a lot of really great skill as a director, um, everything he does. I One thing I noticed was the camera work was fantastic. I wish I could focus on just how the camera mo- was moving, but I was afraid I would be missing out on reading the subtitles, of course. Yeah. So, like, there was times when I would get drawn away from the subtitles and I'd be looking at how the camera was moving because it would go, like, it would push into someone and then it would move over a little bit and then it would pull out and it would push in, just all, like, one long take. Mm-hmm. Just really excellent of framing everyone, making sure... That as people shifted in the frame, they were being framed well, and really just made everything move along, so, and, on like, pacing was very good, and it did move along nicely with the three acts, and uh, some of the beats I did find a little bit predictable, but there were some things that surprised me, so mm. we can talk about those as we go through, but yeah, yeah, I, I don't know, maybe I'll watch this again later and have a different reaction, but as of now, I kind of sitting in somewhere in the middle maybe you can help convince me a little bit
0: <laughs> well i am prepared for that so <laughs> yeah yeah no i i definitely see your reaction and how you could get there uh you mentioned the the you know the the camera work and maybe the sets and things were they drew your attention away from the subtitles so you had to keep yeah. looking back and forth and like i definitely felt that and yeah. now that you say that it reminded me of when i was watching it like i I wanted so badly to just, like, take everything in on screen, yeah. but I have to read the words to know what the story is. So maybe on subsequent uh, rewatches of this film, because I feel like it's very rewatchable. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of just, I mean, despite the subject matter, maybe, it's it's a very light, kind of frothy type movie, and I think... As we get more into how the juxtapositions of this movie work really well in its favor, I think that's one of the strengths of it is mm. is how it seems to balance so many things at once um and yeah, i you know if you weren't as swept away by it, like that's totally <laughs> fair. um Maybe I just have a thing for these kind of movies. I don't maybe. know what, like I do like musicals, mm-hmm. I like romance movies. Yeah, and uh, so do
1: I, like just yeah. just to say that. Like I do. I love a good uh, chick mm-hmm. flick and a good musical. But yeah. uh,
0: <laughs> and I guess like if you look back, uh it it might be a little bit more you could say radical, I suppose, mm-hmm. in terms of narrative as Exactly. And, and structure um compared to some modern films like we talked about La La Land on an episode exactly, exactly. a lot of La La Land rings true in Umbrellas of Cherbourg. In fact, I found that Damien Chazelle, I think it's his favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that makes sense. That's awesome. It makes a lot yeah, of sense. it does. It's
1: very, it has a lot of similarities. I could see how a lot of the themes and ideas from this could transfer into, you know, La, La Land, which is one yeah. of my favorites.
0: So. Yeah, and so, like, that's a little bit of a modern take on this. Obviously, there's spoken dialogue in that movie, but um, that's what's so interesting about this movie is, you know, that how the music... Uh, is throughout the entire thing which was a little bit subversive at the time you know musicals typically didn't right. do that I've heard it said that this is maybe more of an opera than a musical mm. per se um, yeah I could see that which is kind of my reaction when I watched uh, Les Miserables the first time uh, the movie adaptation from a few years ago I was not expecting every word to be sung in that movie oh I didn't know that um, and as a young boy I was not into it at the time <laughs> but maybe I would be now after uh, my love for this movie has come to the forefront, but uh yeah, um, I know one of the strengths you thought of the movie was the music. Uh, mm-hmm. Could you explain a little bit more of your reaction to that and you know how the music works for the film?
1: Yeah, the score is really, really lush um what else to say about it it's it's sweeping and it carries the film like you said from the beginning to the end, and it's ne- it never stops and those motifs run through the film very well yeah. and help play up the emotion and the different characters and all the things that are happening throughout the movie, as well as, you know, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, as well as well as nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the music's great. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, no, I, I like how you said motifs because that like, that tune Mm -hmm. of Guy and Genevieve's, you know, romance, that's kind of their leitmotif that pops up when they're together or when they're thinking about each other and stuff like that. And so, you know, as other characters come into the movie and things change over time, uh, the movie is still about these two people. And when they, like I said, when they are either talked about or, you know, together in person then that tune kind of swells up mm-hmm. and it's just a very powerful grand score that uh, like you said it really carries the film and I like that a lot right
1: and I, I think it grounds it to yeah. to those two characters regardless of those other things that are going on mm-hmm. it really does focus on those two people and brings it back to them throughout the movie multiple times to kind of help wrap that wrap their little arc up so
0: yeah yeah and as someone That's who excellent. likes other languages, I don't necessarily like to maybe try to speak other languages. <laughs> but I do like to watch movies in other languages because I like the sound of it. And, you know, I, I like um, learning words from other languages. Um, yeah. I lived in a very diverse cultural place uh, for a couple of years. And, like, I learned a couple of words in, like, 20 languages yeah. <laughs> probably. Like, a bunch awesome. of different Asian languages, like, I could say hello in and stuff like that. And so this movie... Is perfect if anyone out there wants to learn French. Like, I watched the movie and I was like, oh, that's how it's pronounced. Yeah. Oh, that's what that word means or whatever. Like, growing up, I always thought, you know, love was amour, but they pronounce it amour, like with a O sound instead of an O oh uh-huh. sound. So, like, that's just a little thing that I picked up as I watched it that I was just really engaged with is like, oh man. They're, they're singing French instead of speaking it, so it's a little more uh-huh. slowed down and drawn out, and it's easier to pick up on the pronunciation and, you know, what certain words mean. No, totally, I get that. Um,
1: we joked last week about my French studentness uh yeah. in high school <laughs> as I was trying to pronounce French titles of movies from the 60s, and uh, being only in French one, I have, like, a really basic f- uh, foundational understanding of French, but watching this movie, it helped, and it helped having that previous knowledge, and it also enhanced some parts of it, um, some words that I didn't know how to pronounce, or some you know phrases that I'd heard before, and it's good to refresh on some of those things. I mean, school's almost wrapping up for me with this uh, uh, remote learning type stuff, so I haven't really been able to do as much French, but...
0: Right.
1: Um, yeah, I love the French language and I love watching French movies. That's like my second highest country Mm. besides the United States of movies I watch. Um, And so I I do agree with that the way that the movies slowed down and most older French movies, one, the audio is not great. So it's hard to hear exactly what they're saying and you have to read the subtitles. And then in French, they just drop random parts of the words off and just their own little dialects. And this one was really, really good because it was slowed down and you could understand what they were saying. And so yeah. it is a really good introductory probably to for the French language.
0: Yeah, I really liked that part of it. And jumping back to what you said at the beginning um, about how um, it was a little bit predictable in some beats, mm-hmm. um, I want to get to that, the story aspect of it. And we may spoil things a little bit here. So if we've caught your attention on this movie, if you haven't seen it, Ah, uh, go check it out immediately. I know I recommended it a couple of weeks ago, and so uh, you've had plenty of time to go check it out if right. you really were desperate to. But uh, still, I think it's worth watching. Um, it's one of those movies that's timeless, and you know, even if you're not super engaged in the story, there's beautiful colors all over. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, these actors are like, you know, just gorgeous, and so you know, there's there's enough there to hold on to, even if. Uh, you find the story mildly predictable or whatever, but yeah, we're probably gonna go right ahead and talk about the movie, including the ending, which kind of controls the rest of the movie. Um, so spoilers ahead for that. Um, yeah, so I I actually kind of agree with your point that it's a little bit predictable, um, but I think it's kind of it, it's the difference between like a typical movie will maybe give you what you want to happen. Uh, so, of course, you know, having seen the movie, that Guy and Genevieve, or Guy and Genevieve, don't Mm -hmm. actually end up together. They, they Mm -hmm. go off and marry other people, and they have children of their own, which is kind of, uh, sweet, how both of their kids are named Francois and Francoise. Yeah. A boy and a girl, (laughs) respectively, uh, just because, as young people, they talked about. And they talked about about that, yeah, that was a good,
1: that was a good wrap-up.
0: Yeah, and it's... It was nice how, you know, they, they just kind of left it at that. Like, they, they realized that, you know, their love was in the past. And, you know, as much as each other means to them, uh, it just wasn't the right thing to do. And so I think what maybe you want to happen is like, oh, man, it'd be so true, awesome true. if they got back together at the end. Um, but I think this movie, I've heard it described as being uncompromisingly real um, which I think really holds true for it because, you know, that's probably what would happen in real life. I mean, that that happens all the time. Like Mm -hmm. you date somebody like in high school or in college and then, you know, you move on and, you know, life goes on, people grow apart, but like, and you might run into them later, but like, doesn't mean that you should maybe rekindle that. It's just kind of better left in the past. Um, Exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, stepping back just to a little little bit before
0: the ending
1: maybe all the way to the beginning okay but uh (laughs) so like the first title thing is the departure and you see that as like the first thing in the movie Mm -hmm. and so that kind of played and to to put this out there is i didn't know how this went i didn't know that it was similar to all the land i didn't know Mm -hmm. that it was realistic depiction of love i didn't know like what exactly to expect but once i saw the departure And as things kind of started going, I was like, oh, he probably is going to get that draft note, and so I kind of saw that coming, Mm. and then he ended up getting drafted. I didn't really expect the beat of the marriage, though, in part two. Yeah. Um, I thought maybe she would hold out for for Guy, but maybe something else would come along that would not allow it, like the mother or, I don't know, some other situation. I wasn't really sure what was going to happen, so I didn't expect the wedding, but I did expect the draft, and then I somewhat expected guy and madeline to get together Mm. um that seemed like kind of a natural course i guess
0: which is another thing from damien chazelle actually that i noticed later the guy and madeline on the park bench thing his first movie he named the characters
1: after this movie so that makes total sense now yeah but yeah i i kind of expected those two um just from the way they interacted earlier it just seemed like there'd be something there later and so i kind of just logged that away and then when it came to play, I was like, okay, I like I somewhat expected that, but I was yeah. still like pleasantly surprised.
0: Yeah. And that's something that maybe works in the film's favor is kind of the predictability of it, because it's I, I've I've also heard it said that it's it's very inevitable. Like mm. the inevitability of it is kind of looming over the whole movie. And I like that because yeah, I mean, the first time you see Madeline, you know she's gonna be important. I mean, mm-hmm. she's possibly just as beautiful as Catherine Deneuve. Yeah uh she's played by ellen farner farner i don't know but uh yeah madeline like she's gonna be there for guy as you see his aunt is sick and like you can kind of see those beats coming but it's it's the anticipation of it that like really Mm -hmm. got me i was like oh man how is it gonna happen you know that's true that's true um and then with the wedding i think it was pretty surprising for me too it kind of like it's a pretty quick. Yeah, for beat. so
1: long she was holding off and like yeah. wasn't sure what to respond, and then like just suddenly they decide, she decided to say yes, and I like it never it only showed like the mom talking to Roland, and it like yeah. for a while it didn't even show. Yeah, Jennifer. she like never wanted yeah. to yeah. talk to
0: him or anything. And
1: so I was kind of confused, and well, not I, don't, I was surprised when the wedding yeah. finally happened. Yeah, but there was a moment at the wedding uh, when she was in the car that I really felt. Like she was still really thinking about Guy at that moment. Like, Mm. for some reason, I just, she was like looking down and like fiddling with like her veil or whatnot. Yeah. And I just, I was like, wow, she probably, it looks like she's still not super. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's, I mean, you go back to the times that this was and, you know, women got married. In fact, like, uh okay, so we talked about The Godfather um, a a month or two ago. Like, I think it was the first episode of last month, so okay yeah it's about a month ago yeah and um a lot of people have gripes with how k adams like maybe mild spoiler for the godfather but k adams like immediately just goes back with michael yeah after he's been gone to in sicily for years and he's been back for a year he mm-hmm. shows up one day and she's like all right see you later kids like i'm gonna go <laughs> with this guy like she probably, like, at the time that it was, and that movie was set even older than this is, back in the 40s, and, like, she would have been married by then, or something. like mm. There's no way. You'd think, right. But anyway, yeah, so you can see Genevieve's, like, reluctance to marry Roland, and, you know, she's still trying to wait for Guy, but I think she gets married just out of, like, you know, like... I probably should you know like it's probably the smart thing to do even though you can see in her eyes when she's getting married like she's crying yeah. she's not happy about it um, but she moves along with it and that's kind of like that moment of her crying at her wedding and you can tell she's still thinking about Guy I think it's so powerful and like you need that in order to root for Roland and Genevieve's relationship mm. like you want her to come around on him because you've seen how good of a guy he is like yeah he's gonna raise this like kid Roland. as if it's, his own. it's really cool yeah he's dope and so like you know you want that to happen and it's i think it's because of that you can see in her face that she's kind of succumbed to that pressure and you hope that she can learn to love him as much as she loved guy
1: mm-hmm. it was certainly felt like more of the mom's decision and that was pretty clear through yeah. the movie just the mom's always like she's like oh Roland like she was like best friends with him like <laughs> dude okay so <laughs> I, was I that. thought
0: that the mom was in love with Roland dude for that would be funny because the mom's single no and it was so... funny I
1: was like there was a like a line she said to yeah and I was like why don't you, like I said I was like why don't you marry her then like she can't <laughs> hear me through the movie for you know but like yeah I was like yeah it was funny I was like why don't you marry her then dude Stop i was forcing
0: him on her. I legit thought and I th- I think I'm gonna have to watch it again to like. Maybe see how I feel about that air, like part in the movie. But I still feel like yeah. the mom was totally into Roland. Like she wanted to probably. date him herself. And then he's like, oh, I actually wanted to marry Genevieve. And yeah. she was like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> Not my daughter. What about me? She's like, oh, I always thought my daughter was a little young. Or like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, she has some
1: moments where... I it... think she was just nervous about her being pregnant because they had talked Maybe. about that. That's but probably. that would be interesting to look at because... Initially, I was like, this is weird, like, she's, like, chatting with him, and she, like, mentions that she chatted with him for, like, an hour at the restaurant or whatever, like... Yeah. She's always
0: talking to him. She, like, went on a (laughs) Postcards, it's like, oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Um, But, yeah, like, I really like the... I wrote conventionally unconventional uh, romance in the movie, because... Like I said, it's it's very realistic to how life would be. Mm. You know, these characters do what they should do. You know that they're they're trying to do the right thing, and uh, even if that comes at the expense of their maybe sort of childish uh, romance, um, you know things have to change, and they don't want them to change, but uh, they do. And I liked all the stuff with Gee coming home from the war. And just being down in the dumps, you know, he's lashing yeah, out at good. work, you know, you can tell he's just not happy. His aunt dies, like all this stuff happens. And, um, you like, again, you just want him to be happy and you're like, dude, Madeline's right there. Like, yeah, go after her instead. But yeah, it's good stuff. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. We can probably get to my main focus, okay. the major themes that I picked up from the movie, uh, the major strength that I think it has, and then we can wrap it up. But, uh, okay, so I think that the main theme, if you can call it a theme, is juxtaposition. Okay, and I think it's happening on multiple layers of the film. So okay. let's start with the story. So it's a sad story overall. It's pretty melancholy, melodramatic. Um, okay, okay especially Genevieve's character, like she's pretty much constantly crying. You get her pretty happy at the beginning. You see how much she loves Guy. And then basically when she finds out she's pregnant, like she's pretty much sad for the entire movie (laughs) until the very, very end uh, when she's content. But uh, I think that is juxtaposed very well with all these bright pastels. Everything in the movie is washed with pastels. And it's like, somewhat clashy in times like there's just bright pink and bright green and like orange and green
1: striped wallpaper and... yeah
0: it's so over the top but it's gorgeous to look at you know and it's like i said before like if you're not necessarily so into the story it's like really bright and eye candy happy yeah eye candy like if you watched it with the sound off and the subtitles off you know you probably would think it's some kind of, like, happy movie, right? Like, it's it's mm-hmm. a very fun, like, enjoyable kind of light movie. But then, like, you see the story, and it's... And if you were to just read the screenplay, right, you'd be like, this is a super depressing movie. But I like the way that Jacques Demy, you know, clashes those two together really powerfully. Uh, what did you think about
1: that? Yeah, I think that's really true. The, the excellent use of all the, you know, all of the tricks that you can use from the cinematography and the sets and color and all that compared to the story the, the some of the darker not darker but you know more depressive and realistic mm-hmm. uh, feel repetitive at this point subject matter and those really do contrast very well and creates a nice balance between the fun poppiness and the the sadder moments and the inevitable heartbreak
0: yeah and i think that ties in really well with um the movie structurally like it's it's very you know, conventional plot. You said it's got the 3 Yeah, it's structure. got the perfect
1: three. They have the title cards and they have the date every time there's a new month and date. And yeah. It's all very down the line.
0: Yeah, very different from, you know, say, Pulp Fiction. When, yeah, yeah. Which is the cons- the classic example of a nonlinear storyline. Yeah. You know, mixing up the rules of what you can do with a conventional narrative structure. But, yeah, this movie, like, it's very straightforward, very down the line. But, again, like, this time period and... Um, the type of movie that this is being a musical, uh they say ho- they call it a Hollywood ending for a reason, you know, as a very unrealistic, mm-hmm. you know, happy happily ever after kind of fairy tale ending. Uh is what they would call a Hollywood ending where, you know, like, say singing in the rain, you know, so somehow it all works out in the end and everybody's happy. Yeah. The end. Ta da. Um but this, like I like that word uncompromisingly because it's just so relentless. Like this movie will not do anything that's false. Like it's so real. And you said, you know, we're, we're getting to the point of, yeah, uh, Extreme nausea, repetition. <laughs> yes. Repetition. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. it's balanced really well with the artifice of the set design. And you mentioned the camera work and I, I just had to throw this in there. Um, the double dolly shot is used here And I think this is probably where Spike Lee got it from because he's famous for that shot. He puts it in every movie. It's his signature move. And like Jacques Demy did it 20 years before he ever did it. (laughs) That's the
1: one on the bike and then the train. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was the moment that I said. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You walked in and I was watching that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a great moment. And that camera move is very evocative and it's... It's this weird abstract imagery where, like, your mind doesn't – it almost doesn't connect to what's going on. Yeah. Uh, but its it feels like they're just floating and obviously – Yeah,
1: and then uh, on the, the second shot with the, with the train, there's this weird feeling for a second your brain catching up with the fact that she's getting farther away as he's coming, like, closer to the foreground. Because, mm-hmm. like, they're with each other for a little bit and she's walking with the train – and then there's this moment when they switch and it just takes your brain a second to catch on. And then when, yeah. when it clicks, it's like, oh, whoa, like it's showing that physical separation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really well, um, you know, staged and framed mm-hmm. and everything. Um, I think Jacques Demy is a great filmmaker and I've seen two of his movies now. Uh, but <laughs> this one is probably my favorite. I've seen Donkey Skin. Uh, I want to see you know Lola, which came before this, and The Young Girls of Rochefort, which came after this. I mentioned it's mm-hmm. kind of a romance trilogy uh, of sorts. Nice. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think he's a really talented filmmaker, and there's some impressive moves going on here. Uh-huh. But again, you look at the time period. This is France, okay? We've talked a lot about the French New oh, Wave. France of in the 60s. What is that? <laughs> yeah, and this is so different That's from true. everything gonna, that so France that. is doing at this time. Jacques Demy is like, you know, you guys are trying to like break away from the studios uh-huh. and try and do something unique. But like, dude, I love the studios, man. Let's do let's do a musical. But then he puts his own little twist on it. Exactly that changes it completely. Exactly, he's almost like poking fun at the studios, having his own. It's yeah. like his
1: own avant garde, but with the studio system. It's like right. It's similar but different in yeah the other French new ways. He's taking directors. the form
0: of it and then he's twisting it. Uh, and subverting it mm-hmm. which but it's is not singular. as radical
1: as other you know yeah. filmmakers of the time
0: right and and yeah like he's not necessarily messing with structure but he's messing with narrative and he's messing with you know set design and you know the music choices yeah lost. and like we
1: said like reinventing the wheel of doing all the dialogue sung
0: right and it's it's something you see later as well with chazelle you know that's something that they gave him a lot of credit for was you know taking the classical Hollywood musical romance story and then kind of flipping it on its head uh-huh. a little bit. That's what we mentioned with the Lawland one for sure. Yeah. And so I really liked um, all of that. I think juxtaposition is kind of the theme of the movie. It's kind mm-hmm. of what you can wrap it all together with. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Yee Yee, where we were struggling to find a through yeah. line that goes all the way through. And I think this, you know, balances out pretty well. I, I like the way that he's dealing with these different aspects that are so polar opposite, but he brings them together and it makes, he makes them feel like, they're meant to be.
1: Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. And by the end, I really did feel that they meant what they said when Guy says, like, yes, I am very happy. Like, he responds to her and says, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I am, I'm happy. I'm very happy. Yeah. And I really felt like he meant it. And then it was really cool because then you see uh, Genevieve driving away and then he instantly, like, clicks back in and he sees his, like, wife and kid walk up and then he's, like, flick of a switch and he's back, like, playing with them. And it's just, like, such a sweet moment to yeah. end off the movie.
0: Yeah, they they had a moment together and and it's it might have surprised both of them like you know, he's always talking about opening up his own garage uh-huh. and you know, she just decides to come to town one day. Yeah. And so like what are the odds that she would run into him? And so they're both they're both taken aback and then and I like I like the beat that like she didn't necessarily like he didn't get to meet his daughter. Mhm. Um, which is really good because that girl like has a great father now, like surrogate father, whatever exactly. you want to say that like, he's going to take care of her. Like she's his own and like, she doesn't need to know that her real dad is mm. off with his own family somewhere. Like it's just better just left alone, you know? Mm-hmm. And I like that. So, yeah.
1: Oh, there's something else I'm going to
0: say there. I mean... It really, it's
1: really similar to all in that way. When, yeah. When me and Sebastian meet it's up true. at the club. It's A little like,
0: bit It's really different. similar. A little bit different, because Sebastian doesn't have his own family, but... True. Yeah. and He like, has his own love, The basically. more I think
1: about it, it's so similar, because the club and the gas station... And yeah. The, like, it's, it's true. There's a lot of beats there that are similar, yeah. so... Uh-huh. I, like, it's hard, because now it's like, wow, how much credit do I give Chazelle? Give <laughs> no. no. No, yeah. He no. did
0: it in his own way, for sure. No, yeah. But I like... I like that. Uh, not to get too much talking about La La Land. This is yeah. about the Umbrellas of Sherbrooke. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's pretty much all that I had to say. Yeah. I, think.
1: Uh, I had a couple like funny moments I want to talk about. Okay. Just as we're wrapping up, uh, there was a moment when they were when uh, Roland and the mother were talking about Genevieve, Genevieve, whatever, in the other room, and they were talking like really loud. And the whole time I was thinking, like, man, she's like literally, she just went, she just walked in the room and closed the door. It's not like she's already asleep. Yeah. And then, then they like. Address that and she comes. She's like, I was listening to you the whole time. That was just like super clever, really funny. Yeah,
0: it's probably another moment where in movies, you know, they act like, Yeah, they always do that.
1: They always do that. They have like a big conversation, musical number in the other room about the other person. And it's like, (laughs) obviously, they're not. That that was just really clever. I liked that moment. Yeah. And then the. Let's see. I don't think there was another funny moment, but. Just, like, the details we mentioned the garage. I liked how Guy had a model of, like, a garage of an SO, uh, like, gas station in his bedroom. There's just, like, little things like that throughout the movie. And I, I think I read in the IMDb trivia that Roland's car, You, it's the one Guy works on in the garage that makes him quit, I think. Or maybe it was earlier. It was earlier. And then th- we see it a couple more times, like, driving down the street and, like, in different situations. Just, like... There's a lot of detail there and it's not it's not super like immaculate, it's not crazy detailed and dense, but there's enough like little things there that kept me interested, like, oh there's that popping up again, or here's this. And I, I like detail and I like things that are consistent yeah. and congruent and so yeah. those things helped out.
0: Yeah, and like I I think this film's so great because not only did I get swept up in it, but as I look at it more critically and analytically I don't find any flaws. Yeah, in it holds up really well. The only thing I could say it's st- it's still a nitpick, but I guess it's there that like, okay, where did he get the money for that to buy that? Garage? It was his grandma.
1: It was his aunt's inheritance.
0: Was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Dude, well, there, there we, we go. go. There's no flaws. It's, it's a perfect a movie. Perfect
1: movie. But... It is, and it's short. What is it? An hour and a half. Oh, uh, yeah, it's just barely an hour and a half. I think. Yeah. Maybe a few minutes over.
0: It's perfect. I mean, it's so lovely. Mm-hmm. I've I've used the term lush to describe many movies. Uh, but this is the one, like, that word comes to mind mm-hmm. so quickly. Um, it's it's gorgeous on every level, even when it's maybe telling a story that is not as romantic or sentimental mm-hmm. as you might expect or might hope for. But I think, yep. nonetheless, it's very great. And I think it kind of excels uh, in being different. Nice.
1: Well, I think it's time to grade this thing out. Oh, yeah. uh, I will have to just say I'm... I like it more than I used to. <laughs> so Indeed, I got this you. Con- this con- okay, you did. <laughs> you may have succeeded. I still wasn't, I mean, like I said on the onset, I wasn't super swept away, but just looking at it a little bit more, I, I really can't see any flaws with it, and I really can see all the merit that this does have, and especially just thinking about the way it's influenced movies that I love, like La La Land and um, just how groundbreaking this was in all, all fronts of movie making. So yeah, I'd probably give this still maybe around like four, four and a half. I was thinking Sweet. three and a half earlier, so this discussion Ooh. has raised me almost a full star. So Alright. Yeah.
0: But it's still you can't like it more than ten bombs. You need to... <laughs> okay, yeah. you're still wrong on ten bombs, but we'll maybe. get
1: there. We we'll to, okay. No <laughs> just <laughs>
0: kidding. But yeah. Uh five stars for me. I, nice. I said it before. So yeah. it's I mean it's top six from the 1960s for me nice at least from what i've seen awesome well
1: thanks for the recommend bro i really did enjoy watching this and i think it's a a great movie that has merit for everyone to see so it's streaming on the criterion channel now yeah we almost made it one episode without (laughs) dropping the c
0: C this is basically a criterion podcast at this point
1: yeah it's now streaming so go check it out and well i guess maybe you watched it already hopefully but I think you could still enjoy the movie, even if you know all the stuff we talked about. Yep. Um, so yeah, are we, um, we can do some, uh, weekly recommend, weekly, what's entertaining you? Yeah.
0: yeah, we can do some what's entertaining you this week, bro. Okay. All right. Yeah, we're here for the, after the break for the what's entertaining you this week. Yep. Uh, I'll have you go ahead and start it off.
1: Okay, I'll start off with a movie, and then I've got some other, th- some other things that have been entertaining me, in a way. Cool. So, oh, we mentioned we had a big marathon. A lot of those were actually 70s movies, so I don't want to talk about them yet, because uh, we've been, we're have been we going to have our seven from the 70s at the end of the month for a bonus episode. But one of the ones that wasn't from the 70s, um, well, we had Pulp Fiction that we talked about already, mm-hmm. but we also watched Good Time by the Safdie Brothers from 2017. I didn't like this, but I loved it. <laughs> um, cool. I I I hate feeling the way I did during the movie, but that's just uh that it just attests to the good filmmaking that was being done. Uh the claustrophobia, the anxiety, the ADHD of the characters, all these things just set my uh my affinity for organization alarms blaring. I just there's just little details that made me mad the whole time. Just little things like, "Oh, he left his phone." And, "Oh, he didn't like do this or do that." Things that he left behind or people that he left behind just made me really anxious and upset and mad at the main character. It's a very interesting experience, one that I don't know if I want to have again, <laughs> but it was really good uh, and would recommend if I haven't seen Uncut Gems, but I know you've said that's probably a better film, but Do you think you'd recommend this if someone has seen that?
0: Yeah, I think it's pretty good. Um, I think I bumped down my grading of it after I watched it with you because that was the second time I'd seen it and didn't really like it as much the second Mm. time. Uh, I respect what they're doing, um, but just after seeing Uncut Gems a couple times, I think that's a much better film. The characters have more depth. I mean, this one, I'll say, like I noticed kind of a theme of our weekend marathon is like movies about the worst human beings possible like that's probably true like okay the royal Tendon Bombs, most of them are pretty bad people in one way or another good time uh we watched apocalypse now mm-hmm. i think we talked we brought that up a little bit already i don't think so but that's um, gonna be probably mostly pretty bad most people 70s. i mean yeah yeah pretty mm-hmm. bad people mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. the most part yeah uh and so <laughs> i mean this one was right in that vein um Robert Pattinson's Connie Nikas is like probably the worst person I've seen on film. There's nothing likable about him. There's nothing redeemable about him. Uh, That doesn't mean that the film is bad just because he's unsympathetic. um, I think we all can relate to, you know, doing things for selfish reasons. However minor they may be compared to what he does in the movie, but... You know, he has his reasons, his justifications. You know, he's trying to help his brother, uh, who is mentally, um, what's the word? Yeah. He's got a mental illness. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's not enjoyable, like you said, but it's it's pretty well made. You know, I love the score. I've talked about that a few times. I listen to that one No tricks point never score all the time. It's just really, really good. It's a little bit different in the movie though, I noticed. Mm. It's like they play yeah, the, telling me about that. They play the score that I've listened to and then there's like two layers of it. So it's like it's almost like there's two songs tracks playing at the same time. Which just adds to that, like you said, the anxiety, the stiltedness, the unsettled nature that the movie mm-hmm. uh, gives you.
1: I guess maybe we should give it like a quick synopsis if anyone wants to watch this. Mm-hmm. This uh these two brothers attempt a robbery doesn't work out so well. It kind of goes from there as one brother is trying to save the other one, in a sense, and it's, it kind of takes place over one night. It's uh, really chaotic, like we mentioned, and uh, claustrophobic and crazy and all over the place, and <clears throat> just the wake of destruction Connie leaves is hard to watch and comprehend just how terrible he can be, Yeah, but yeah, so that's a good time uh, that entertained yeah. me.
0: Yeah, cool. And then yeah, I'll just I'll bring you? up a movie that I finished uh yesterday. I finished it last night, I think. Time is blurring together yeah. lately. But uh it's a Studio Ghibli movie. There's yeah. different there's different ways that people say it, but I think Ghibli? I think Ghibli uh is probably the best like English way to say it. Anyway, Studio Ghibli movie, it's my fourth from the studio, but it's the first, um,
1: it's a non Miyazaki.
0: Yeah. It's mm-hmm. the first exit from Miyazaki's movies that I've had. And yeah, he's like the head of the studio or he was and, but he, he employed other directors and this is directed by Iseo Takahata mm-hmm. and it's called Grave of the Fireflies from 1988. Uh, I really, really liked it. Um, it follows two young siblings who takes shelter from air raids during World War II. Um, Seita, the older brother, he takes care of his little sister Setsuko this whole time. Um, And the grand nature of a world war um, boils down to a couple kids just desperate for food. Honestly, that's most of the movie is them Mm. searching for food. Um, It reaches some really dark places, but with so many moments of sweetness that it's easy to get through the tougher parts. It really shows the perspective of Japan during World War Two, uh, which is something I've never seen in a film before. Uh, I grew up in America, obviously, right. and so you know Japan is kind of looked at as the enemy during that war for us Americans. Uh, you know they bombed Pearl Harbor. They're you know evil, whatever you know the terms were at the time. But it was really eye-opening to see a movie from their perspective, and the hardships that their citizens went through during the war as well, because nice. war isn't good for pretty yeah. much anyone. So um, The American planes are an ever-present threat looming over the film in a really interesting way. And so I felt like this is pretty straightforward as far as movies go, narratives and all that. Um, so it fits a little bit in with our movie of the week. Um, But the story is so well told and well animated, honestly, that it just doesn't really matter. It's so good. So I like awesome. it. Grave of the Fireflies.
1: Nice. I watched 20 minutes of that, so I'm glad that it's good, so I can yeah. finish it. Uh, I'll probably start it back over. But it's interesting that it's a Jubilee and a non-Miyazaki, because Miyazaki never approached difficult subjects in as straight on of a way, I yeah. would say, as this does, even yeah. though I haven't seen it. just. From what you've been telling me, the way Miyazaki goes about doing it is he kind of t- tells maybe darker stories and commentaries using a facade of childlike wonder and uses a lot of more bright brightness and color and yeah like just the frames the images if you compare Grave of Fireflies next to spirited away or totoro it's just vastly different films even though they're coming from the same studio and they're similarly animated
0: yeah i'd say it's pretty similar in that respect but you're right it is much more uh forward in Mm -hmm. its darkness um it it reminds me a lot of totoro actually just in the way that you know there is that darker subject boiling under the surface um just it's just that the surface of this movie is a little bit thinner than the surface Mm. you know like that movie uh, My Neighbor Totoro has more comedy um, more just absurd stuff mm-hmm. happening with the cat bus and all that oh, um, yeah. that you kind of like you know the sad stuff isn't like it's not so heavy in the movie whereas this one like yeah I mean they have a lot of fun moments there's a lot of sweet good times and you know it's kind of this relationship with these two siblings but you know it's you're still seeing firsthand the trials and the struggles that they're going through. So that's awesome. Really good. Sweet. Nice. Uh did you have some other movie related entertainment? Movie related <laughs> entertainment? Uh I'll just toss out there real quick. I watched the right stuff um yeah. from 83. I'm kind of doing an 80s uh catch up I mentioned. I'm I'm trying to catch up with the ones that are going to be in film spotting madness next year next march and they're doing the best of the 80s so i have a few movies to see before then uh and the right stuff is a movie about space kind of it's like over three hours a little bit and so the first act is about them trying to break the sound barrier these pilots who just want to fly fast and then it kind of grows in scale from there about pilots who are becoming you know they're getting um they're going through like Trials not like how do I phrase this? <laughs> They're going through a selection process to become the first astronauts the first American men into space and it's it's during that space race period between uh, Russia the Soviet mm. Union at the time There's the Cold War stuff and this is in the 80s. So it's it's right around the end of that um, Era and so you can kind of see a lot of the sentimentality that the 80s brings with it um, It's a little bit cheesy at times but I think overall is a very interesting story. It's a three-hour movie, but I was not bored uh, during the whole time. So nice. that's a testament to, you know, the actors in it and uh, the directors who I, the director who I don't think I've seen anything from uh, other than this. But you know, I have this theory going that every space movie is good. If you want to make a good movie, just set it in space. Yeah, I think I could agree. I haven't seen a bad one uh Me a, a bad astronaut type movie. I think this is probably like <clears throat> if you're talking about the scale of like believability, I I think I brought this up mm. earlier, but this one is probably at the lowest like it's a true story that actually happened. Uh and then you can kind of move up through the light to through the layers to say the Martian, which is plausible but not true. Uh hey, all the science is real. It's true, plausible. <laughs> um and then it moves up the scales to say Interstellar, Oh, or maybe Ad Astra is a little bit below that, where it's more science fictiony. But, and then of course you get into like Star Wars and aliens and stuff. And yeah, yeah, I don't, that's I don't know if really talk about those, those are really ones. abstract. But then you get like I think Interstellar is kind of the the peak of the scale because it literally bends space and time, yeah. and it it's just grand like epic about space. That's totally. Like, what about two thousand one though? Two thousand one is. Oh, also, my. up there, it's similar. Yeah. But yeah, like... But it's pretty I mean, name me, like, name me a bad space movie. Europa. It doesn't exist. I know? mean, I,
1: I watched Europa Report. I... I'm, I watched that a while ago. I don't really remember it, but it's kind of... It'd probably be on the lower end of good mm. space movies. It's probably Dang. just a mediocre... It's kind of monster I think, from what I remember. Yeah.
0: And there's a lot of, like, sci fi movies. There's, like, Apollo are...
1: 18 or whatever. That's, like, that <laughs>
0: weird horror
1: space movie.
0: Yeah. There's I don't some know.
1: weird stuff. I don't know.
0: There's, like, yeah. I mean, there's movies that are set in space. Uh, but I think, I'll just say astronaut movies. We'll say okay. that. Okay. It's about, like, people leaving Earth to space. Those are always good. Okay. But there okay. are movies, like, sci fi, like, I think of Jupiter ascending. Ooh. That's, like,. That's like set on like another planet, but it's galactic in a sense. And that, that was a pretty terrible movie. So mm. <laughs> sorry, Wachowskis. You missed on that one. <laughs> but okay.
1: okay, just wrapping up real quick. I haven't ever done this on the show, but I wanted to recommend a little bit of music maybe. Or just explain what's been entertaining me musically wise. Maybe not recommend. But I've been listening. I, I'm a big fan of the band King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. It's quite the hectic mouthful of words, um, but they're one of my favorite bands of all time. They're kind of, you can't really pin them down to a genre because they've pretty much done everything under the sun, but their first few albums, they're kind of psychedelic rock type generally, but they've branched out into thrash metal and song, uh, spoken word albums. They've (laughs) done experimental music where they add frets on guitars. Their band has two drummers and two drum sets, twice the noise. They, they do crazy musical stuff, and they're kind of pushing the boundaries of music uh, as a whole. My, probably my favorite album by them is their recent 2019 album, Infest the Rat's Nest, which is their foray into Thrasher. Uh, it's pretty epic, pretty intense, uh, but musically, it's so good and so catchy. I hmm. quote the songs like all the time. I'm always just like, yeah, just like <laughs> thinking about them. And their other one, their most, one of their highly acclaimed one is Nonagon Infinity, which is a looping album, so the last song feeds right into the first one, an in, in infinite loop. That one's pretty good, I've been listening to that a lot, but my other favorite by them is, um, uh, one second here. Jeez, I don't even know what it is. Hold on. They have a lot of albums. One year, in a single year, they release, like, five. Hmm. So from 2014, it's I'm In Your Mind, Fuzz. That's probably my favorite album by them, so... A bunch of good music, uh, and then I've been listening to some older, like, Black Sabbath and stuff like that, so, some more classical, well, classic metal (laughs) type
0: stuff, but. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Some music there for anyone. Nice. But. I enjoy the occasional metal. I, I like, I like Metallica quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, Black Sabbath, I've heard some songs and I enjoy them. Their
1: album Paranoid is pretty good. Oh, yeah.
0: The yeah, song Paranoid uh, is sick. I like yeah, that song.
1: Yeah, I love Paranoid the album, but yeah. Not huge. I'm not like it's weird. I'm not like a thrasher metal music kind of guy, but for some reason these couple albums I found to really enjoy them. Yeah. For one reason or another. So,
0: yeah, I really like that genre like just because of my childhood memories of playing guitar hero. Yeah. And there's a lot of that kind of music. That's true. That's true. Not thrasher metal, but, you know, classic rock. Uh the more early metal like 80s metal and mm-hmm. stuff like that that uh you know i like that stuff i don't listen to it mm-hmm. but i enjoy it
1: so. yeah it's interesting when i find an album like infest the rat's nest where it's kind of a phenomenon where i would never love this album if it was by any other band or if it was done in any other way like i'm trying i'm trying to find other bands and other people i like that are similar type of music but they're just too this infest the rat's nest is perfect blend of music for me that just works well and i don't know why nice but i love it so listen to some music watch some films this week and we'll be back next week with uh, well
0: and that's the end of our show what are we discussing next week bro next week's episode is the continuation of the pixar project where we discuss toy story 2 And if you want to go back in time, listen to our earlier episodes, those can all be found at brohaveyouseen.captivate.fm.
1: Nice. And all of our episodes can be downloaded also on iTunes and Spotify. Please take a second to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. You have no idea how much it helps us grow the show and reach new listeners. If you have any feedback about the show, please let us know in your iTunes review, or you can also now email us, at bro have you seen podcast at gmail.com
0: for sure and each new episode is posted at 6 a.m on friday's mountain standard time if you want to see what else is entertaining me check out my letterbox at everett clark 236 and
1: i'm at barn clark
0: see you next week bro see you bro